Welcome to the Palace Perspective, brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a wealth management firm specializing in custom estate, financial, and tax solutions that others often miss. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today. Today, we're going to discuss a subject that will have special application for listeners who own or may have, may work with individuals who own mid to large sized businesses. And that subject is the role of an investment banker when considering the sale of a business. And to help us talk about that today, I'm joined here today by one of my colleagues, Joe Cullen, CFP. Joe is the Managing Director and Head of the Wakefield Office. I also want to congratulate Joe I have the chance as he was recently named 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor based on industry experience, client retention, assets under management, revenue trends, and compliance records. So Joe, congratulations on that. Proud of you. Thanks a lot, James. Uh, Very happy to be here today. And Joe and I are joined by a special guest today, uh, Mr. Gregory Rush, who is the Senior Managing Director of the Dunn Russian Company firm in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, James. Glad to be here. Let me give you a little bit about uh, Greg's background. Greg, as I said, is the co-founder of Dunn Russian Company and is responsible for, uh, primarily responsible for business development, transaction execution, and firm operations. And Greg has deep experience with various types of transactions across a range of industries including consumer, industrial, manufacturing, media, retail, business services, et cetera. Uh, Prior to Dunrush, he served as a managing director for City Capital Strategies, uh, which was uh, Citigroup's middle market investment banking platform. And before that, he was at uh, Tucker Anthony Incorporated and SunTrust Robinson Humphrey. But really what I think makes Greg uh, special and unique, in addition to his qualifications and experiences, actually ran a business uh, in a prior life and sold a business. So he has really direct firsthand experience, not only from the consulting side, but also from the business owner side, which really makes him uniquely qualified uh, to be a subject matter expert. So again, Greg, so glad to have you today on the Palace Perspective. Thanks, James. So let's uh, define here, I guess Greg would be helpful to define, you know, what exactly is an investment banker? And we hear the term investment banker and M&A person kind of used interchangeably. Maybe you could help define that. Yeah, it's always been interesting. I've always thought it was funny to consider us investment bankers because we don't do investments and we don't do banking, right? But uh, but I think it's part of a much broader group. And, and an M&A advisor is one subset of the types of services that an investment banker might provide. And that would include uh, capital raising, could be public offerings, private placements, sort of part of that process, fairness opinions, valuations, and so forth. So investment banking might also include research, sales, trading at larger firms and things like that. But uh, I've always done at the firms that I've been involved in, uh, most of my work in the merger and acquisition advisory area, and that's certainly one key place. So tell me, Greg, uh, what do you think of the uh, critical functions of, of an investment banker? Why, if I'm this business owner, uh, I've built this great business, but it's time to exit for whatever reason, why am I calling you? Yeah, you know, there's there's a number of key reasons why someone should use an investment banker uh, if they're looking to do a transaction. And I think the number one reason is really to create a competitive process and to be able to maximize your leverage over the buyers in a particular transaction. The key to all this is you want someone that's going to make sure you get your deal closed, 
right? I mean, this is not an easy process. It's not like anything that a lot of people we work with have ever been through before in their own business. And there's a lot of detail that's required. It's very complicated. You want to run uh, a nice, tight, solid process. You want to do it once and you want to do it right. And it's important to keep people moving along a common path, give them all the same information, make them march to your beat, make them march to your priorities and close on your timetable, as opposed to trying to do something one-off where there's no, there's no real push to make them do that. Greg, I should have asked you to start out is, you know, when you think of your firm today, Dunrush, what is your specific target, you know, market target client? Yeah, you know, I think there are lots of different ways that companies are sold and lots of firms specialize in different things. But our firm tends to focus on businesses that are valued between 20 and $250 million. And they're typically going to be in either manufacturing, distribution, or B2B services. And so they're in and around a product or a service that a company is typically delivering. Those types of companies tend to have sales or revenues that might be north of $20 million a year or generating cash flow or EBITDA of four plus million dollars a year would be the areas we tend to focus on. Okay, so let's talk about uh, business values right now. You just meant, went, went through some numbers that you guys you know, work with primarily. When you're talking to a business owner, does that person in your you know, experience know what the value of their business is? How are they in their heads coming up with the value? Everyone should know, right? I mean, it's really important that someone understands what their business and how their business is valued, because with that information, they can then do something with it, right? I mean, they can increase the value, they can work to do things, whatever their outcome is ultimately going to be. I think one of the things uh, everyone might think they know what their business is worth, or they think they know uh, what they want it to be worth. But I think it's it's always uh, important for them to take the time and understand how that valuation comes to be. And in my experience, you know, what they think it is isn't always what it actually is. Most business owners uh, have an overinflative sense of what the business might be worth today. Uh, doesn't mean they can't get it to be worth that, but there's some very specific things that they need to do from a blocking and tackling standpoint that might get it to the area where they want it to be. Yeah, my experience, uh, maybe you would share it, is that when you ask a business owner, you know, what he wants to get from the sale of his business, uh, he might give you one answer, and then if you ask him, well, what would you pay for the purchase of your business if you knew what you know now, it might be a totally different answer. That's exactly how we try to position it, right? So when, when someone comes to us, and the reason why we like to get introduced as early as we can is we try to help someone understand why the process is the way it is, how a buyer is going to think about your business. And we ask them the question, would you buy your business? Mm -hmm. And what you know, the price that they ultimately want wouldn't necessarily be the price they'd be willing to pay for someone else that owned a business that looked like yep, that. Yep. And there's a bunch of things that matter to them. There's information they're going to need to know. There's people there they're going to need to meet and be comfortable with that ultimately when you put yourself in the shoes of that buyer, whether you're looking to do a transaction now or not, you're thinking about what's valuable to that outside third mm -hmm. party. And if you're addressing the things that can improve your company on a series of quantitative and qualitative factors, push yourself into the magic quadrant uh, mm -hmm. of relative to other companies in your industry, those are the things that are going to cause buyers to be more excited about your company, more comfortable paying a higher premium for your company, and are going to make it more valuable. So Greg, maybe you could talk to us a little bit of, you've been talking about uh, valuations and uh, how you come up with valuations, but as a business owner, what are some you know very high level, quickly, ways that I can be working to in improve the value or increase the value of my business 
while I'm still thinking about timing of an exit? Well, yeah, I think the one key thing you want to be thinking about is what's going to make your company more attractive to more buyers, a bigger audience of potentially interested parties. And, you know, it starts with numbers, right? So many of these things are financial. So what are you going to be doing to have higher growth? higher just magnitude of sales and profitability because a larger dollar volume of cash flow is easier for a buyer to finance so more buyers can come to the table a bigger amount of cash flow moves the needle for more buyers so we simply think about it as if your business is at a million dollars in annual cash flow if you can get that to three or five or ten over some period of time each of those stages is going to expand the audience of buyers that are going to be interested in, in acquiring your company. And if you're looking at metrics like profit margins, growth rates, are they sustainable? There's a whole series of quantitative things that you can focus on and you can actually have people working to improve. And you want to stack up positively relative to the average companies in your industry if you have access to benchmarking reports and those kinds of things. You know, the other thing that you also want to do is you want to take a look at a qualitative assessment. Is your management team the right management team that's going to grow for a number of years through a number of different cycles? Uh, how do you stack up competitively? Is your market fragmented? I mean, there's many things that you can take an honest look at your business and say, where does my company sit in this sort of magic quadrant analysis where you, know, you want to be in the most attractive on both the vertical and the horizontal axis to be able to generate the, the most level of interest from the most buyers? And if I could, I know Joe wants to ask a question about the the auction process, but if I could just, you know, because you, you mentioned financials, it sounds like keeping good financials is, is a pretty important thing. Critical. If there's one area that I'm really surprised by, it's a lot of companies that we meet who are incredibly successful and attractive businesses that have been able to do so um, without focusing enough attention on their financials. And by that, I mean, you know, their systems, their controls, their people in the financial area. You can't get a high-level transaction done without the critical day-to-day -day involvement of a CFO or a controller. So much of the diligence process is around the numbers, how that changes month-to-month. -month. It's happening in real time. It's a, it's a second full-time job for the key person who's going to be in your finance department. And you know, it, one of the things you just can't do, you can't get through a transaction without the critical involvement of those kind of people. Outside advisors, financial statements, you're just going to need that to have the belt and suspenders around it to give the higher level of confidence to the buyers that they're going to need to really push their proposals to a level that are interesting to you. Yep. yep. And when you when you make that recommendation where you need to improve cash flows or basically you know make the business tighter, who are you is it you and your firm who are helping them and advising them through that or are you working directly with their CFO or their um, their CPA or et cetera. T tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, Joe, I mean, we can be. We certainly play that role any way we have to through the client relationship, but it's not just us. The point you just made, I mean, there's a series of people in the finance department and outside of it. I mean, right? I mean you're going to need your internal management team. You're going to need your external team of advisors all communicating closely with one another and collaborating to try and pull off the objectives that matter most to you. Mm -hmm. So your ability to get that to happen is making sure that all the people necessary have a clear understanding of what you want them to do, how you want them to work together, and what it is that they're doing and how that's going to be perceived by the buyers. It's just super important to have your teams aligned. Right. Yeah. And I find, um, you know, for what we do, of course, as uh, the wealth advisor is in a lot of these situations where we meet with our client, who's the business owner, is 
they built these incredibly successful businesses, but you know, everybody always wants to, they're high achievers, they want to see their business grow. And maybe when we sit down and do the financial plan, when you carve it up amongst the different owners or the family members, is this is the is this amount that you're gonna receive in the sale going to be enough for you? Right. So what we find is when we work with you or other bankers is that the recommendation is, is we want to grow this business. And it's not just because of we need to tighten up the financials. So when we go to, you know, through the process and the sales process that we are going to get the highest value, the best multiple, it's, hey, we want to earn enough money so that when you conclude or hit that button and sell the company, you can move on with the next chapter of your life and not have to worry about ever going back to work. So, yeah, I think it's critically important, right? I mean, the more information an owner has, the higher the likelihood that they're going to get a deal done that's exactly what they want. Right. And so many times, if you don't know what your business is worth today and you don't know what you need to fund your lifestyle and all the things you want to do for yourself, your family, your company, your employees, the philanthropic causes you're interested in, if you haven't done the work to understand how that comes together and what you need, you won't know when your company has crossed a Rubicon where this market environment and the stage in your company can accomplish all those goals for you. So if you lay this down in a plan, it's just like anything else that you block and tackle. You can actually get there. A lot of times we'll do work with companies and say, we think your business is worth $20 million. And that person wants it for they and the other shareholders to be worth $40 million before they can sell. Well, you can take that analysis and flip it on its head. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, if you want the likely outcome to be $40 million, you have to get from here in sales and profit today to here in sales and profit. So you can start designing a plan. You can set the goalposts and try to work your company with other advisors, consultants, internal hiring, raising capital and opening a new plan, whatever it is that you need to do to start getting yourself to that point. But if you, if you ignore it and you don't spend enough time with the advisors around you that are going to help you execute this, or even understand what you need to live for your lifestyle, you have almost you're 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 just winging it when you get to that point in time where you want to exit your business, and you know you really have to take control of that. We were talking earlier, James. I you know everyone leaves their business someday, everyone does, mm -hmm. and it happens only one of two ways: on your own terms or someone else's, and it's entirely in your control as to whether that's going to happen on your terms or not. But it's all about preparation. Yeah, and I, I think this next question is really related to what you're just talking about. And it may be a question even more for, for Joe. And that gets to, uh, and you touched on this a little bit, how early should an owner begin to plan his or her exit? And I know... Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. No matter when you start, Never it's always yesterday. Yeah, well, I know you, you told me when we first met, Greg, that your firm spends a lot of, I would say, I won't call them pro bono, but investment up front with business owners that you know, may not pay off for you at least, or for the owner, uh, and you know, a liquidity event could be a couple years, three years down the road. So Joe, I know you're doing a tremendous amount of financial modeling with business owner clients well in advance of a liquidity event. And you're mapping out, you know, different possible scenarios, whether it's an internal exit, external exit, estate planning related scenarios, but how soon in the process are you talking to the business owner about yeah. that? I mean, there are business owners that I'll meet <laughs> five, 10 years before they anticipate an exit. And then what happens is by structuring the proper plan is you are ready when you get that unsolicited bid. And it feels like that, it seems like with a lot of owners, that's when the process starts. Okay, there are people out there that are interested in my business. I could sell this. Well, I was thinking it would happen in another five to 10 years, but this is an amazing offer and should I entertain it? 
Well, then we have to say is, are you ready for this? Okay, and th and that means multiple things, right? Psychologically, um, you know, financially, is the business ready for it? Is your management team ready for it? Your employees ready for it, etc. Um, so we would love to get in front of and help individuals as far in advance as possible. We have had um, circumstances in the past where we've been introduced to a business owner who's about to s sign an LOI within a month or two. And it's kind of a, a, it's a rush job where we're getting, you know, their accountants, attorneys, uh, their planning team in place. We're working on Saturdays and Sundays because there's a lot of thought that has to go into these decisions around the tax planning. And um, yeah, cause a lot, if I can interrupt a yeah. lot of that tax planning really needs to happen well in advance of an LOI, right? right. In order for it to be uh, much more effective. Um, and, and so getting in early is, is the smartest thing an advisor can, yeah. or a business owner can do with his advisor. Right. And there's a lot of thought behind these answers and, and the decisions that are made on how they want to go out planning their future, right? Mm -hmm. these, these, they're making decisions sometimes prior to the sale that could impact family 20, 30 years down the road. Right. So these aren't, you know, decisions that should be made within a month. Yeah. These are, these are decisions that should be thought about over years, potentially. Right? There's a funny thing we say, there's never been anyone ever that closed a deal, no matter how, how awesome it was, and said, boy, I wish I'd done less planning. It hasn't happened. So right. like, yeah. that's the answer to your question. Right. Right. You can't right. do too much planning right. around these things, because the more you know, the more likely it is you're going to have an outcome that works for you. Right. So, so Greg, tell us about, um, all right, so we've done all the pre-planning. We've done it on the financials. You've done, you and your team have done their work. You've brought us in. We've done our work. Um, tell me what the, we're green light, we're ready to go. What is the auction and bidding, bidding process? What does that look like? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, you know, what we run, we like is a two stage controlled sale and it's essentially an auction process. Not every company can be auctioned, right? So if you can run an auction and you can drive that kind of interest from people, you will leave money on the table 100% of the time if you don't run an auction, period. So like there are many different types of companies that have to be sold different ways, but if you can run an auction and you can bring that audience to the table, it will get you the best price in terms. So I think that's really an important thing for somebody to understand. You have to be ready and you have to get out there with a package of information that will answer questions for people and you have to drive the timetable on, you know, to move forward everybody at once. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of time up front spent getting all these materials ready to go. You put together information memorandums, you know, confidentiality agreements, all the things you're going to need. But it's really about, you know, pushing through, you know, the two stages that I refer to are getting information out in people's hands. We do all that work and people are talking to us and not contacting anyone at the company while they're you know, busy running their business, collecting a bid or an indication of interest, IOI, that's the first stage. And ideally, if you can get a number of those bids, 10, 12 bids, you're, what, what always amazes clients is the top bids will be double the bottom bids. And that's really not intuitive to a lot of owners. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, okay, I buy, you know, a toaster and it's X at Walmart and maybe a little more, a little less than X at Target. Selling a business couldn't be more different. So like you're going to see all these people are interested and you're going to see a distribution of bids if you're able to collect en enough of them um, in almost every situation, which is why coming back to your prior question, the more bidders you can get, right. the more likely the outliers are more attractive. Yeah, yeah. So that first stage allows you to identify who's interested at what levels and structuring things the way you want. You pick 
the small number. In our case, we typically take three, four, five of the most interesting proposals, and you bring them to the second stage of this process. And that's a process where you're meeting with them, you, you know, socially for dinner, you're meeting, uh, going through business decisions and things, and, you know, ultimately tours of the facility, meeting key people, ultimately within a couple of weeks of selecting them to come to that stage, giving them another bid date to say, give us your best and final letters of intent on this date. Here's 10 or 12 things we want you to comment on. And on that basis, between that and what you've learned in your meetings, you can select the party you like best. And at that point, it's like a sprint with other advisors involved to get through the final diligence and get the transaction closed. You know, it just reminds uh, me just listening to you there of a conversation we've had in the past by multiple times. But you know, I, I made the comment about a lot of business owners, they get that first unsolicited bid and, and mm. this offer, they're like, wow, this is more money than I imagined. And, um, you know, we've talked about that where you've made the comment of, yeah, that, that first offer is never the offer, right? And Almost can, never. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit about why, you know, because somebody, of course, a business owner sees that, thinks in their mind, this is it, I'm moving forward. I don't need you know, Dunn Rush or, or, or Greg Rush to help me or anybody else, I could do this on my own. Tell me, so, tell me a little bit about So that. look, I mean, getting the offer, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Right. That's the easy part, right? Getting the deal closed is incredibly difficult. And getting it closed, even if you think you've, you know, cut to the front of the line or cut off all this work by not putting this stuff together ahead of time, guess what? They're going to ask all those questions. And at a minimum, you're going to have a challenge getting the proposal that they've floated to you closed because they haven't learned anything or didn't have the information they needed to actually have a qualified bid when they when they gave it to you and that results in a retrade different terms or you know and that's doesn't feel good in a lot of owners and that's why you know most most more than 50% of the negotiated LOIs that happen out there might not get to closing they're far less likely to to actually close if you have given people all the information they need and you've pushed down through, and for whatever reason that party doesn't close, you've got two or three other folks that you left behind sitting right there that were interested that you can go back to. You know, you hope you don't have to do that, but we've had success a couple of times going back to you know door number two if you have to do that. Another reason to run the process. But uh, you know, I think unsolicited offers are interesting. A lot of our discussions get kicked off, as you mentioned earlier, because that's happened. But I think it's almost never um, the highest and you know best bid. Um, there's a reason why people contact you unsolicited is because they don't want to compete, and uh, you know they'll say things like, "Oh, we don't participate in auctions. We don't do this. We don't do that." Well, guess what? That means they're not interested in paying you the fair price of your company. Right. And I think you know if they are interested, they will compete. Right. And and we've seen it time and time again. We're almost out of time, and so we're not going to go into depth, but I just I also know we were talking earlier how important it is for a business owner to be talking with an advisor like Greg well in advance of a liquidity event just because, you know, the decision around the structure of your business from an uh, entity standpoint, C-corporation, S-corporation, LLC, partnership, uh, what's the best after-tax result that you're going to get is the, 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 the question you should be asking. Um, and a lot of times, the, how you're structured from a tax standpoint as a corporation or partnership is going to uh, significantly impact that result. So but we don't have time to go into that. I just know that you know, an advisor like Greg will, will uh, talk about that. Greg, I'm going to give you one last chance. It's all over your website. and It's maybe a little bit of a commercial here. Talk to us about the Dunn Russian Company gold standard of preparation. I know you've touched on it a little bit, but tell us what that means. Yeah, you know, we've tried to position something out there that just punch lists all the things 
that we think reduces the risk to a buyer. And reduced risk in the eyes of the buyer results in increased confidence and an ability for them to push and be most aggressive on their bids. So most of these things are financial and data-driven, right? But we try to compile a list of things. And what I'd say is almost no companies we've ever worked with have had most or all of these things. But if you do do all these things, you've done everything you can to knock down all of the mm. risks that a buyer's going to, you know, maybe hold back or be less confident to put, you know, a, a really aggressive bid forward on. And it's, you know, audited financial statements, quality of earnings, uh, budgets in a detailed way, five-year forecasts. It could be uh, uh, key performance indicator, monthly management reports, the type of things that show you really have a mastery of exactly what matters in your business. And it's not about whether you need that. You know the business like the back of your hand. Is your business and its value transferable to someone who isn't you? And the fact is, they're going to need these types of reports and information to be comfortable with the fact that if you know it and you can pass it to them, that's going to make it super easy or more easy for them to get their arms around it, for them to get it financed, and to get really aggressive on the price and the terms that they can propose for you. Greg, thank you so much for being with us on the Palace Perspective. Uh, your knowledge and insights are really incredible and, and very helpful. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And Joe, enjoyed having you as well. We're going to do it again sometime, my friend. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thanks, Greg, so much. This is wonderful. Thanks, James. Greg, for Thanks, our Joe. listeners, Thanks, James. What's your, uh, give us your website address. Yeah, it's uh, www.dunrush.com, D-U-N-N-R-U-S-H.com. We've got a frequently asked questions section and resources section that has blogs and white papers and topics and things and that where we've commented on a lot of these. And, uh, you know, please take a look. To our listeners, thanks for participating and for sharing uh, the time with us today. And for specific questions, we do encourage you to reach out to us via our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com, P-A-L-L-A-S capitaladvisors.com. And also visit Greg's website as well, where you'll find lots of useful information. If you're a business owner in particular, you'll find that interesting. As a reminder, as I always say, the advice given on the Palace perspective is general in nature and not intended to be specific to your individual situation. Palace Capital Advisors is a registered investment advisor, and any decision about uh, financial planning or investing should be undertaken only after consideration carefully of all the risks, cost, liquidity, or lack thereof applying to an investment. And of course, talking with your advisor, an advisor like Joe Collins, CFP, or Greg Rush from Dunn Russian Company. Those are really great people, and, and advisors like that can really be helpful for you. We'll see you next time on the Palace Perspective. Thanks so much. Have a great day. The preceding information is for general educational purposes only. It's not intended to be investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal situation. Any decision about investing should be undertaken only after careful consideration of the investment's risks, costs, liquidity or lack thereof, and the investor's time frame. Please remember that past performance may not be indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product referred to directly or indirectly in this newsletter or podcast will be profitable or equal any corresponding indicated historical performance levels. The investment advice is offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, our registered investment advisor.